this week's host, Eddie Webb, and with me are Dixie Cochran. Hello there. And Matthew Dawkins. Woohoo! I'm here with unbridled enthusiasm. <laughs> Two very different tones. I was trying to be spoopy. Uh, well, I'm. I would say I'm coming across as maybe a bit scary, intense, <laughs> like a like a birthday clown. Yeah, yeah. If I burst out of a cake and got in your face and said, "I'm here, bursting with enthusiasm," honk honk. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be a way to start some kind of car sales advert. You know, oh my God. I'm here and I'm bursting with enthusiasm about the discounts we have on Volvos. <laughs> Matthew, I've never heard you be that enthusiastic about anything, and now I'm terrified. <laughs> See, uh, I don't think I can be enthusiastic without sounding a little bit angry, though. Yeah, you like you like get a little manic. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna spend money in our lot because if you don't, I'll kill you <laughs> with these sales. Oh no! <laughs> I'll come for your family because they all want cars as well. <laughs> I really hope somebody cuts all of this out of context and just makes the most terrifying Matthew Dawkins speech. That's what I checked your video. What are you talking about? Yeah, you're gonna get deep faked, man. Like someone's gonna <laughs> take one of your gentleman gamer videos and change it so you're just threatening people if they don't buy your cars. I'll be the last thing you ever hear before you switch on the stereo <laughs> of your fantastic new convertible. Anyway. <laughs> Oh my god. Does Volvo make convertibles? Um, these ones are. Um, <laughs> all of the Volvos I sell on my uh, used car lot were ones involved in accidents. And while Volvos are well known for being one of the safest automobiles on the market, by the way, Volvo, if you're listening, we are down for that sponsorship. They actually uh, do make convertibles. I looked it up. Ah, they make well, one convertible. I was thinking that my Volvos were ones that had had the top halves ripped off after incidents usually involving collisions with trucks. Low bridges. Yeah, low br very, very low bridges. <laughs> More like drainage ditch, uh, <laughs> bridges. <laughs> in, in my head now, I'm imagining that this used car lot is how you pay for the house that we all live in with the picture of Mrs. Eisenhower hanging over the fireplace. Well, it's not through the sale of role-playing games, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Dozens of dollars. Dozens! <laughs> Dozens of dollars! <laughs> Well, one thing we hope makes more than dozens of dollars is our current Kickstarter. It already did um, make more than dozens of dollars, although technically any amount of dollars over 12 can be described as dozens of dollars. That's true. Should so it be a factor of 12? Hundreds of dozens of dollars? <laughs> thousands <laughs> of dozens of dollars. <laughs> um, uh, but we are in the middle of the uh, Ghost Hunters Kickstarter. Um and this is kind of an interesting one because um, it's it's a, it's a 20th anniversary book, but it's not a 20th anniversary book of an existing. It was not a previous World Darkness book that's a 20th anniversary edition, nor is it keyed to any one specific line. So it's a bit like if you recall, um, there were the the black bordered World Darkness books like World Darkness Mafia and um, World Darkness Sorcerer and the like. So it's it's kind of more in that tradition i thought we didn't um, talk about mafia anymore <laughs> no no mafia exists rich refuses to accept it that's all. you're not supposed to say the mafia exists eddie they'll be coming for you now 
Yes, just armies of black-bordered books. Right. You're going to wake up in the morning, and you're going to look out the front window of your house, and there's just going to be just, just hundreds of World of Darkness Mafia books just gathered on your lawn. You're going to be like, where did these come from? Yeah. You'll, we, we you'll never, never know. We never admit to the existence of this thing, as <laughs> someone in the pages of World of Darkness Mafia might say. And there's oh. one, there's one lonely oh. world darkness sorcerer book going. I'm in the wrong meeting. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought this was AA. There, there was also world darkness mummy before there was mummy the resurrection. It's true. Yes, world the mummy was originally a a, a world darkness support book. Huh. Was it in the uh, backs of? Uh, let's think. The Vampire the Masquerade revised era of uh, Coral books that used to say before there was the World of Darkness, there was Exalted. Was that the catchphrase? It was before there was the World of Darkness, there was Exalted. Uh, I think so, or there was Creation, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, because I was just th- because I just said before there was uh, Mummy the Resurrection, there was World of Darkness, Mummy. That doesn't flow nearly as well. So I'm glad they didn't no. go with that. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Before there was Mummy the Resurrection or Mummy the Curse, there was Mummy. Right. (laughs) Actually, yeah, there there were some really interesting ones. Like, there was actually just a a book called The The World of Darkness, which was really just, here's all the different countries and nations in this continuity. And I think that was was it. Like, maybe there there have been, like, a couple of really minor bloodlines tossed in there. But, yeah, it it was... it was uh, an odd little book. Yeah, second edition even updated. Yeah, that's later. the uh, that book saw a lot of uh, use in Beckett's Jihad diary. I can tell you that. Oh and really? Then, and then there was another book called The World of Darkness that became Chronicles of Darkness, the second edition. Right. Everything is very confusing in World of Darkness. But this book is none of those, which really helps. Um, it is World of Darkness. It, it is World of Darkness, but it's not referencing a previous book. Um, rather, this is something that is taking references and bits and pieces uh, of other elements of those books and kind of consolidating them into one book and expanding on them, I think. Um, so let's go, let's go ahead and let's, you know, that's just going to be a deep dive into that. Um, so uh, let's talk about the book. But before we kind of roll into that, um, ghosts are kind of an interesting place in our culture right now, I think. Um, because, uh, there are a lot, a lot of reality television shows about ghost hunting or some variation on ghost hunting. Um, and so I think we've almost kind of hit this weird point where, uh, ghost stories are kind of in the same place they were back in, uh, the Victorian era of it's a scary story framework to talk about, uh, family legends or urban myths or whatnot. So, so the ghosts are kind of secondary to the other stories that are being told. Mm. Um, and a lot of the ghost hunter shows that I've seen um, seem to be a lot more about, let's look at this cool dilapidated building and all the stories about this, this area and who lived here and what this building is like. And then the hunt for the ghost is, is part of that, but also it's kind of exploring these old things. So um, I'm curious what your guys' relationships are with, uh, 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 ghost as fiction, um, the, the the current kind of burst of, of ghost media, um, or if you don't think about ghosts, I mean, that's fine too. But I'm curious what you guys' thoughts are on that. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I agree with you. I think it is interesting that ghosts have 
I guess in the last 10, 15 years, sort of re-entered cinema vogue because mm-hmm. uh, it was largely with the in- invention or proliferation of digital cameras. Uh, I would say uh, it made the filming of the sort of found footage TV series like over here. You've got Most Haunted in the UK, which was a very popular series. I don't think it's still going now, but uh, you would have movies. Actually, like... it is. I have the oh, list up. Good grief! Oh, really? It was it was um, 2002 to 2010, and then 2013 to present. Uh, wow. Uh, one of the lead ghost hunters. I think he has passed away now. A man by the name of Derek Acora. Um, would channel ghosts in it. Uh, that, so usually it would entail the the crew and often a special guest uh, walking around dark house with night vision, uh, you know, so they would all be illuminating all sort of green and grey and their eyes would look all funny. And they'd get to the place where there was supposedly a ghost and Derek Acora, who was their medium, would start saying, oh, oh, I can feel it. I can feel it in the room with <laughs> us right now. And then he would start channeling the ghost, but his but his accent would never change because, of course, when mediums uh, start channeling the dead, while in some films they start speaking like this or <laughs> something like that, um, Derek Cora would stick to his accent. He obviously knew what he was good at. And so there could be someone there whose mother had died, and it is oh, is that you, Sarah? It's me, a mother. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh my god, that's and, horrifying. Yeah, and is that you, mummy? <laughs> yes, it's me. Uh, uh, how's oh your dad? <laughs> wow. And he'd do that. Um, Mighty Boosh sort of spirit of jazz thing when uh, <laughs> when he was first communing. I blame Dixie for reintroducing the Mighty Boosh to me. I haven't thought of it for, for years until recently. Um, but he, if when he started the channeling, he would start saying, oh, oh, I can feel it slipping inside. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Speaking of course, about the ghost in the dark room. But oh. anyway, uh, anyway. I, I hate everything about this. Um, wow. It's, it's alright, he's dead now. God rest his soul. But um, beyond that, we need had... to channel him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be great if someone did channel him and their voice suddenly changed to sound like this? <laughs> right? Um, the... Uh, <laughs> movies though that were probably more well received were things like Paranormal Activity uh, right. and such uh, other similar found footage Blair Witch movies. Project, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Blair Witch was, was undoubtedly well of the first of its kind but there were mm-hmm. lots of quite low budget movies um, made with either CCTV, you know, sort of um, security cameras or just people wandering around with the digital camera in a dark room. And it really seemed to ignite people's imaginations. Uh, Cinemas, uh, I've long been a big fan of cinema as an experience, and they genuinely ramped up the attendance of cinema screenings, and they started uh, introducing, I guess, interactive cinema experiences where you often heard about people going to see 
movies in the 80s and 70s and screaming in horror films or running out or feeling ill. And it took ghost movies being reintroduced in this major way for for there to be these communal sort of screaming experiences, uh, which were often recorded right. and then put in very successful adverts for the same movies. So, mm-hmm. um, so I love ghost stories as a genre. Uh, I have always been attracted to them as a reader, as a as a viewer. Uh, while I don't have any belief in the supernatural myself, uh, I do certainly appreciate the medium, haha, of of ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> I'll blame the spirit of Derek Akora for that joke. There you go. Yeah. Um, but no, I really appreciate that uh, that genre of horror because it's very different. It's very rarely gory. It's very rarely body horror. It, and I would say, especially talking about modern media, it stood in stark contrast to the other uh, horror cinema that was in vogue uh, over the last 15 years, which was what has been since dubbed torture porn. Uh, I would say right. horror kind of branched off in two angles after about 2005-ish, where it went in the saw and hostile direction with one hand, and it went paranormal activity, insidious, conjuring, and the rest with the other. And mm-hmm. you haven't seen many, I guess. There's been some Cloverfields and other monster movies, but they've been very much in the minority compared to the other two uh, branches. But anyway, uh, that was I'm me curious, wrestling Dick, on. Dick, Dixie, you, you're a huge fan of horror, but would you agree with that assessment, you think? Um, I think that the torture porn thing is going away now, which is nice. We're actually getting yeah. back around to, like, slasher films and things. Uh, and, you know, things that have motivation... Uh, I know that between Jordan Peele and Ari Aster, they're kind of changing the genre a little bit to show that you don't have to just, you know, be taking out people's eyeballs and stuff to have something be scary. Uh, mm-hmm. With things like Get Out and Us and then Midsommar and Hereditary, um, which I think are, you know, some of the best horror movies that we've had in the past decade or so. Mm-hmm. So I think the needle swung that way for, like, Saw came out. And Saw was really, really good. Like, the, the the first Saw movie is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Um, right. Because the, all the conceits behind it are interesting. And mm-hmm. the reveals are interesting. And the twists are interesting. Like, it's a really good psychological movie for all that it is a little gory, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that Saw, unfortunately, some people watched it and then went, oh, what people like about this is the torture. <laughs> Right. And then, like, later Saw movies even fucked up that, in my opinion. Like, where they were mm-hmm. like, oh, we just want people to die. And it's like, no, 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 the whole point of this is that you can get out of them. And that you can right. be redeemed. And that he's trying to save you. Like, it's an, it, it's an interesting dynamic from that point. Yeah. Um, but after Saw, we, we started getting things like, you know, the human centipede. And uh, what's the Hostel? Hostel oh, 1 and 2. I have, I have seen both of them. And I... We'll never watch them again. Like, that's just not my kind of movie. Right. Uh, and then, of course, even even worse examples that I'm not even going to go into because I don't want to recommend them. Um, right. but like, I, know the ones you're, I know you're the ones you're thinking of. And, uh, yes, no, yes, you do. You, yeah. you know exactly the ones I'm thinking of. Um, but I am not going to mention them here. Uh, but I, I feel like the needle swinging the other way. Like, I've, I've seen the trailer for the new Candyman. Mm-hmm. And it looks phenomenal. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, 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 we had some other, like I said, like slashery things and A24 films coming out. I'm very bad at remembering what movies I intend to see. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's finally kind of going the other way where people are getting back into psychological horror and some slashery horror and not relying too heavily on grossness. Uh, no, I, I I agree with that, and, and just to just to add, um, Candyman is an excellent example of a ghost story. It's a, it's mm-hmm. the, it's the Bloody Mary story, uh, just with some a, an un I guess appreciated uh, depth to it, especially with the sequels. Oddly, it's a mm-hmm. it's a movie series that somehow gets better in context with its sequels, whereas most horror movies. Uh, serials end up being awful <laughs> with, See, with successive uh, successive releases. I feel like I'm super weird when it comes to like ghost stories because like Candyman is technically a ghost story, but I never think of it as one, just because he's so not a typical like what you would think of as a ghost. Hmm. You know, he's not like see through and possessing people and flickering in a corner and right. whatever. And so like I find those kind of ghost stories where the ghost is very tangible, kind of compelling. More so than I find, like, the paranormal investigation kind of stuff, where it's just like, you know, I saw a lens flare. Is it a ghost? I don't know. Well, I, th- I think that that's valid, is that there, um, ghost stories do have a, a, a fairly wide breadth. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, the Japanese film Ringu, for example, is, is also and the a grudge, story. And The Grudge, which is great. Right. Um, but but they're, from a, from a top-level perspective, they're ghost stories. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, it makes sense that we can do a, a book like this that, you know, has a, a larger kind of array um, because uh, for World of Darkness, ghosts generally are wraith or other stuff. You know, the, the, the way that ghosts interact with the World of Darkness is a little kind of either shoehorned into wraith or just extremely vague, whereas Chronicles, they started off with a decent treatment of it and kind of expanded and moved it around. And so there's, there's a little more... Uh, depth there, whereas World Darkness is very deep in one very specific direction. Um, so you're right, it kind of slants ghost stories towards that kind of very specific, almost uh, Victorian tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the other thing also I think that sometimes gets lost is that there is uh, I'm trying to find a bit of phrase, there's a little bit of humor, I think, with ghost hunting. Um, it's been associated with ghost hunting, particularly in the past uh, 40 or 50 years. Um, Ghostbusters, obviously, is yeah. one of the more kind of seminal ones, um, but also, I mean, Scooby Doo is really ultimately about a bunch of ghost hunters, even though they almost never find actual ghosts. <laughs> and, and what's interesting, the, what really kind of struck me about this is, um, uh, I, I thought I had imagined this for years, and so I finally found it on YouTube like a month ago. Um, but uh, uh, Adult Swim, Cartoon Network, one of the two, I think it was Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. Um, um, right after the Blair Witch Project came out, they got the rights to do all the Scooby-Doo episodes. And so they did a marathon day or two of just Scooby-Doo. Um, and the bumpers in between were all Blair Witch themed. Oh. And so they had actual footage of like an, a real mystery machine. And they would rotoscope um, classic animation on top of that and then do new dialogue. That's cool. Um, and it's, Deeply creepy, actually. Um, awesome. I mean, it's, it's obviously played for laughs, but I mean, you know, the juxtaposition of the Scooby gang with the Blair Witch, it's like that makes a weirdly disturbing amount of sense. Yeah, but that's 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 the one where they all get picked off one by one. Yeah, yeah. 
the like final it's, episode of Scooby Doo. Yeah, it's 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 it, it, it's it's horror. It's straight up horror with these very kind of campy Scooby Doo episodes, um, and the animations for two thousand era was, was really really good actually. Um, but it shows that there's this kind of tenuous balance between the two. Um, you can have um, a lot of different uh, uh, flavors in there. So, um, like one of the things I noticed when going through the manuscript for, for Ghost Hunters, and for context, uh, Matthew was one of the developers on this. So that's one of the reasons we're kind of just three of us talking it through. Um, he can offer insight as we go through. Um, but uh, the, the, the chapter three, Ghost Hunting Organizations, has, I'm just checking here, 14 different organizations, I believe. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and they range from classics like the Arcanum and FBI Special Affairs, but there's a whole bunch of new ones in here. Cool. Yeah. Um, part of the motivation behind that is uh, but basically what we've just been talking about. Everything from the Victorian era, spiritualist movements and, and debunkers, you know, skeptics, uh, all the way through to reality TV crews who are trying to catch a real-life ghost. Uh, mm -hmm. on camera and make their fortunes so you can play as ghost hunters from i guess any aspect of that spectrum while also you know you, you can have plenty of crossover because we touch on orpheus as well in this book which i think a lot of mm -hmm. people will be happy with uh, there's a fair amount of orpheus content in here Ooh, uh, good. Oh, there was a haunting thump in the background. <laughs> yeah, I like unmuted to say something about Orpheus, so that I think my upstairs neighbor dropped something. So, or I'm haunted. I don't know. Oh, oh I can, I can, I can feel it. I can. Feel it. <laughs> um, who is it, Matthew? Who's haunting me? Uh, let, let me see. Oh, is it? Do, do you know someone? Do you know someone who's passed by the name of uh, Derek Akora? <laughs> <laughs> I must admit, I only heard about him today. <laughs> well, well, there you go. That's the spirit. He's fresh in your mind. He's trying to commune. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, in short, I, I would say the organizations in this book are one of my favorite parts of it. Uh, I love playable options. I think it, from a pure marketing standpoint, I think it makes a book appealing because it gives players something to a reason to purchase it. Uh, but from a content perspective, so much imagination has gone into the different options available and where they all sit in the ghost media we consume. Um, for instance, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the uh, ghost stories of M.R. James, who is a uh, old, I guess, 19th century, early 20th century uh, British uh, novelist and academic mm -hmm. who sometimes wrote ghost stories. And he uh, he always, almost always positioned his characters in the same kind of a role. It was usually someone visiting a creepy town or someone someone going to a village that no one else had visited for a long time, interacting with the inhabitants there, being warned about something, doing something he shouldn't, and then being frightened by something at the very end. And um, that kind of very light touch to who you need to be in order to interact with ghosts 
is something we also put across in this book. You don't have to be seeking them to interact with them. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can make a bunch of fumbles and mistakes in order to draw the attention of the dead. And then, almost more than hunting them, you're trying to escape them or trying to find a way to exorcise them or just understand them. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm really happy with the number of options that are available in this book. I think you can do a hell of a lot with it, no matter what World of Darkness game you're playing, or just whether you're playing as mortals. Um, yeah, and you touched on something interesting uh, about um, uh, stumbling across, or also um, just making mistakes, as it were. And one of the things I think is actually, I won't say unique to, but more common to ghost stories and other kinds of horror medium is the concept that the investigator could be wrong. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking particularly of uh, Thomas Carnacki, uh, written by William Hope Hodgson. Easily half of Carnacki's stories, there's a perfectly mundane explanation for them. The other half are genuinely supernatural. Um, and you don't really know until you're going in what the, what, what the twist is going to be Karnacki's actually found a ghost or Karnacki's stumbled across a scam or something else. So that is one of the moments where the detective side becomes equally as valuable as the kind of occult investigator side. Um, and that's something else that um, I noticed in Ghost Hunter's kinds of plays with is like, uh, for example, there's, we were talking earlier, there's an entire chapter about mediums and it specifically talks about also fake mediums, you know, mediums who are just complete charlatans. Um, and that's something that I think it's really interesting because usually in these books, they're always positive from position of, the hunters are always correct. And Mm -hmm. this is a case where it's like, no, sometimes they're just not. Yeah. Uh, And I think that that can provide fantastic interplay in a game of mage or vampire. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've got Giovanni in the group or, uh, or a Euthanatos in mage, I guess, Chakravanti in M20. Um, Or indeed most, you know, many games of werewolf deal with spirits, not necessarily ghosts, but there's some crossover there. So it provides a lovely array of supporting characters and antagonists who don't necessarily fit within your typical uh, selection. That you know, they they exist within the horror canon, I guess, but we very mm-hmm. rarely use mediums, as you say, in both the authentic and the charlatan uh, mold. Um, and what one thing uh, it's only just occurred to me when I just mentioned about M.R. James yeah, and something I really enjoyed about reading through the work on Ghost Hunters is M.R. James was, seems to be one of the few authors that when he's writing a short ghost story you'll have your protagonist and most of the story will revolve entirely around the protagonist it will almost be entirely mm. in first person and, you know, I stopped in at this lovely little pub uh, in the middle of Bremerton on the Wold or whatever. And um, everyone looked at me as if I was a foreigner, blah, blah, blah. And he will go through the trials and tribulations of uh, rustling up a ghost. And by the end of it, the ghost will be in the bed next to him and he'll let out a horrible scream. Now, in a lot of ghost stories and horror stories in general afterwards, and especially in movies, that person who has gone through it will never be believed. They will right. they will tell their friends, they'll tell their their therapist, they'll tell their priest, and everyone will look at them with a certain... But we certainly think that's what you 
thought you saw, but and so on. But oddly, in Mr. James stories, they almost always end with someone else running into the room and saying, "Good God." As if to validate the experience of the person who's seen the ghost. Oh, I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting because there's a certain element of that in Ghost Hunters as well, that not everyone stumbles onto this journey of hunting ghosts because they start with belief. They end, end up on it because they have been exposed to it. And okay. now they can't deny it. And because it's the world of darkness and we know that the supernatural exists in the world of darkness, then there is greater capacity for mortals to become exposed to these things. Uh, and if anything, I'd say we do it more with Chronicles of Darkness, where we directly acknowledge that, yes, that there is, is a masquerade, for instance, in Vampire but you've got a greater likelihood of mortals finding out about vampires because of everything existing in the same world in that game. Right. Um, but I think Ghost Hunters sort of straddles that World of Darkness, Chronicles of Darkness line in a way because it gives your mortals the capacity to interact with the supernatural in a direct and meaningful way without looking like fools or like they should be locked up somewhere. Yeah. And, and that's, that's another kind of interesting element to it is um, unlike other hunter groups or antagonist groups, um, ghost hunters are much more in the public eye. Um, you don't have your secretive group of vampire hunters lurking in basements making plans to, to murder the undead. These people have TV shows. They have corporations. They have business cards. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, you know... Uh, uh, there are. I know there's some organizations that like they have television shows, and whatnot. But also, you mentioned kind of Orpheus, and like Orpheus is the interesting adjunct to Wraith in the fact, but it's a, it's a completely open organization that works with ghosts, and that is a different texture to things. I think. Um, so uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit more, Matthew. You mentioned before that there are some Orpheus references in the book. Um, tell us more about that. Maybe. Um, well, I don't want to spoil too much about it, but I would say this book gives you greater tools to be able to play either people who work for Orpheus or are affiliated with Orpheus. We presented mm -hmm. Orpheus as a playable option in Wraith 20, and uh, I you know, recommend Wraith 20 to anyone really who wants to play a ghost-based uh, role-playing game. And I also believe it's the best of the 20th anniversary core rulebooks. That's my personal taste. Uh, boo. Uh, <laughs> I mean, also boo because that's, ghosts. That's, that's what ghosts say, yeah. Right, boo. <laughs> and it's the name but of also the ghost boo. in Mario. <laughs> it is. Yeah, or King Boo. King well. Boo. <laughs> oh, God, fucking King Boo. <laughs> Uh, is I think the noise he makes, but yeah, uh, there's there's lots of options, and we even have some case files in the book, uh, which are part artifact, part story hook. You know that you can start an adventure or chronicle um, based on these case files that are tied to Orpheus. Um, so yeah, there's there's a fair amount of content in there. I don't don't want to call it an Orpheus book because it's not. Uh, mm -hmm. but it would have certainly been wrong to not include them. 
And you're right, Orpheus is an adjunct to World of Darkness because it is pretty much the first mortal organization, I guess, outside of the upper reaches of Pentex to outwardly acknowledge the existence of the supernatural. And even Pentex doesn't claim to understand everything that it's doing. It's just kind of destroying it. Whereas Orpheus is committed to researching, utilizing, and, you know, whatever. Uh, But uh, at least the way Orpheus is presented in its own rulebook, going way back to 2001 or whenever it was, uh, was that, you know, they even have adverts in the subway join the Orpheus group or, or or get in touch with the Orpheus group if you want to speak to your dead relatives. Mm-hmm. And we moved a little back from that in Wraith 20. Um, that was a paradox instruction. I th- Maybe maybe because they have plans for Orpheus somewhere down the line. I don't know. Right. Mm, maybe. But, I don't know. So, so, that, so we... that, that Wraith VR game looks good, though. It does. Oh, yeah. Does, yeah. Um, but yes, so Orpheus is in this, and I think fans of Orpheus will really like how they're presented, uh, and hopefully be able to utilize them in their games, no matter what World of Darkness game they're playing. That actually leads to kind of another point, because as I mentioned before, this is not con- directly connected to any game. I mean, uh, the most obvious connection would be play this connected to uh, Wraith 20th Anniversary Edition, but that's not necessarily the case. So how do people use this? Is this a self-contained rule book? Or do they need another rule book? Which rule books are best to use with it? You need at least one 20th anniversary, right? You are correct, Dixie, yes. You do need one 20th anniversary book. But it could be uh, any of them. It could be Vampire, it could be Werewolf. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, I think it's just for the skills and attributes and merits and flaws on things. More than it's yep, for, okay. like, you know the lore or anything like that yeah not even the merits and flaws really uh, okay the, cool well, no but skills and attributes your core storytelling storyteller sorry system um will be in vampire or werewolf or what have you whereas this book does have character creation rules for playing ghost hunters and okay. it does have merits and flaws specifically for ghost hunters two as well as equipment but luckily these books books that concern mortals can be considerably slimmer uh, because they don't have to worry about things like disciplines and gifts and ropes and you know although I, I did notice that this has had numina in it it does have some yeah um but and and yeah it has some powers for mediums but Luckily, we didn't have to invent nine new powers for different kinds of mediums with five right. different tiers for each one. Right. It's the you're the psychic, so you get access to one of the five dots of psychic powers or whatever. Exactly. Uh, I think there's something appealing, at least to me and uh, people I've spoken to in the course of developing this book or co-developing this book, I should say, uh, that find a real appeal to playing a simple bare-bones human, uh, not even mm-hmm. playing the mediums from this book. And I think it's part of the reason the Chronicles of Darkness core book is so popular as well. It's because uh, a lot of people... We were discussing before this um, recording, Dixie, how you find slashes and serial killers scarier than ghosts. Yeah, because they're people that exist in the world. <laughs> yeah. like, like, that's... I. So I am... I am in the same boat as like Matthew. Like I'm, I'm, I don't really believe in anything supernatural. That's just 
not part of who I am. Um, no judgment if you do, for the record. Like, totally cool. People can have different beliefs. Uh, but, like, be- because of that, the horror that I gravitate toward tends to be more of the slasher, thriller, true crime kind of horror or psychological horror. Like, mm. stuff that could, even if there's, like, an element of supernatural, the rest of it could conceivably happen. Like, I find Get Out to be a really good movie. Yeah. Because, it, yes, there is something supernatural going on, but mostly it's just real fucking creepy the whole time. Um, same with Midsommar. Like, that's a great movie. There's nothing actually supernatural happening in that one. It's just creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, culty and, 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 and real people. And that's that's what gets under my skin. Because, you know, I was always that person who, if I'm alone in the apartment at night and I get freaked out by noises or whatever, I never think to myself, like, oh, it's a ghost. I always think to myself, like, oh, there's a man with an axe in my closet. <laughs> and he is going to murder me. Uh, and I think that that is kind of what Ghost Hunters does. Obviously, I, that's not a contradiction, I hope. Mm-hmm. But in the sense of playing a mortal, uh, just yeah. as, as playing a mortal in Chronicles of Darkness, it allows players to empathize with the characters they're playing because it's far easier as a player, I would argue, to play a character who is slightly out of their depth and surprised by the things they encounter and mm-hmm. then scared by the things they encounter than slipping straight into the furry paws of a werewolf. Um, I actually really love using these games as, like, preludes to Mm. other World of Darkness or Chronicle of Darkness games. Like, like I like using Blue Book Mortals to lead into other Splat games and, Mm. like, actually playing through the, like, how you became this thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that you could do that really well with, with Ghost Hunters too. So like you could use it, you could play a few sessions or even an entire campaign as Ghost Hunters, and then maybe, you know, by the end of it you all end up in a wraith. Yeah. Um I I I do the exact same things. And I think that it's one of the reasons that I really gravitate toward uh Vampire and Wraith. I see those those games in World of Darkness as um as games where you have an innate sense of relatability to your character, because at mm-hmm. one point they were mortal and completely unattached to the world of the supernatural. And so when they are immersed in the world of the supernatural, it's a sudden system shock to them. You know, oh, there is this world I never knew about. Whereas Werewolf, Mage, and Changeling you're always kind of part of it because it's a part of you from birth, whether you know it or not. Uh, you you were destined to join this this group, so you were always chosen, if you like. Uh, and so, yeah, playing mortals, playing wraiths, playing vampires, for me, f- sort of fills, scratches the same itch, and uh, they those are the sorts of games I really enjoy. Yeah, I can see that. Actually, speaking of... Um, of- Wraith and Vampire. Um, both of those games present wildly different uh, rules for how ghosts actually work, um, and to a degree how the undead work. Uh, so, um, how does this book kind of reconcile those t- two pretty strong paths of what ghosts actually are? Uh, well, if you're playing Vampire or Wraith and using Ghost Hunters as a source book, you can just use Vampire or Wraith and. Uh, you know, just present the ghosts as they exist in those core books. But if you are using Ghost Hunters with a book that doesn't have ghosts, we have an appendix in this book that has a uh, 
a series of ghosts and associated powers that you might use as a template. But I think what Ghost Hunters presents ghosts as <clears throat> more that more so than um, wraiths with arcano, uh, and you know all, all kinds of different super duper powers that allow them to glide across the tempest and so on is archetypal ghost templates that have character mm -hmm. uh, much like i guess all storyteller games at their core it's a narrative experience a social experience and so your interaction with the ghost and investigating the ghost comes less down to mechanics and more down to um, what the storyteller wants the ghost to be able to do and how you can interact with it. Uh, I would suggest that a chronicle where the ghost is a hovering ball of light that emits electricity and makes machines break down around it uh, is going to be a very different story to the ghost, the, the Bloody Mary style ghost who is literally killing everyone who summons it. So you've got to ask right. the question, why summon the damn thing? <laughs> um, but it's part part of the reason we have i guess it must be somewhere like 20 odd case files in this book that cover a oh here's a word we very rarely use a verisimilitude of uh, different ghost stories uh, with different origins different threat levels there's some haunted houses. There's some phenomena that just defy explanation. There is the go the hitchhiker ghost in there. There's a ghost of a real world serial killer from way back when, um, and there's also some things that could very well be vampires or could very well be mages, but are being written up by ghost hunters for these case files as ghosts. Right. So I think I think there's a uh, reference that I put in there to Horatio Ballard, even from Chicago by Night. Oh, nice! Um, oh, cool. And bear in mind, I wrote this quite some time ago, so hopefully it still stands up. But this is the <laughs> previous edition to V Five, uh, so I, I could have written anything. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think we tried to make as many light touch links to the other World of Darkness games as we could without defining this game as a Wraithy Oblivion experience. Um, I mean, one could even say that this is Wraith would be the toughest game for this to pair with, mm -hmm. partly because of Wraith's, I guess, um, setup, which has you dead from the start. It would be tricky, I imagine, to form a group that is half Ghost Hunter and half, half Wraith for instance. But it could be done. You know, Wraiths could be helping mortals hunt down spectres. Uh, so, there you go. The stories write themselves. Ignore what I just said. If the real Ghostbusters has taught me anything, it is that ghosts can help bust ghosts. Slimer very rarely helps. He tries. He tries to help. <laughs> He's a good dog. <laughs> it takes a good guy with a ghost to stop a bad guy with a ghost. <laughs> Is that is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what you're hearing. Oh that's my what gosh. The, the president in the world of darkness <sighs> just said to everybody. <laughs> uh, Ghostbuster, stand by. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Ghosts don't ghosts don't bother me anymore. Maybe I'm immune <laughs> to them. Maybe maybe I'm immune to them. <laughs>
I can't. I can't. Don't don't be afraid of ghosts. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Eddie, what were you saying about ghost hunters? Um, uh, I was saying that you mentioned that um, it, it, it's it's kind of hard to pair uh, uh, ghost hunters to Wraith the Oblivion. Um, but it's relatively easy with vampire because um, you have access to things like Giovanni and whatnot. Um, how about mage and werewolf? Those are the kind of the big kind of tentpole. 20th anniversary games how does ghost hunters potentially work with either of those games well i love the idea of pairing ghost hunters with werewolf in particular because werewolf obviously has its nature focus and i mentioned earlier that of course that comes with a bevy of spirits Mm -hmm. and but spirits aren't the same thing as ghosts as we constantly have to hammer writers of chronicles of darkness over the head with (laughs) stop calling them spirits um but (laughs) with werewolf there's always a part of a werewolf the apocalypse chronicle where the pack has to consult with their totem or with a uh, kindly spirit or or make a deal with the spirits to find out information, whether it's how to get into the Endron oil factory or whatever, um, or where to find the Black Spiral Dancer Cairn. There's always that moment where you have to exit your world to speak to something more, more of the Numinous. And... Mm. I really love the idea of Werewolf the Apocalypse gaining access to the to the undead, but not in a vampire sense, because we know they don't get on. Uh, where the best way for a werewolf to beat another werewolf, a black spiral dancer, for instance, or their pack, is to commune with the souls of those the black spiral dancers have killed where they may have to sponsor mortal ghost hunters or work alongside them because this place is worm-tainted, but we can't work out why it's worm-tainted. But the ghost hunters can work out why it's worm-tainted. It's because there's bloody ghosts there. And the the ghosts are people who died in horrible ways because they became... Uh, for Mori after ingesting Banes or something like that. Uh, it it adds a, another angle to Werewolf the Apocalypse, which rarely gets touched on. It, Chronicles of Darkness well, so Forsaken has more ghosts in for, in Werewolf than Apocalypse does. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, one of the tribes is very much based around that. But right, yeah, yeah. Um, Apocalypse doesn't. So, yeah, I just really think it enhances it. And Mage, similar. Uh, in fact, I would put Mage more in the camp of Vampire because you have an entire tradition that uh, forms around the idea of entropy in the. Form. Thantos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, whether they are working with Ghost Hunters as exorcists, which I think is a. which makes perfect sense. You know, they want to deliver people. Mm-hmm. Um, to their final reward, or whether you have some horrible mercenary hermetic, because let's be honest, when has there ever been any other kind of hermetic mm-hmm. who wants right. <laughs> who wants to interrogate a ghost and find out what they know that this is the last ghost of the warden of the librarian of Alexandria. Uh, so you know, let let's find out what uh, they remember of all the books that were here before it was burned down. Or can we use this ghost for something? Because mages... I, 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 I hate to interrupt, but you meant you used interrogate, and just in my head, I imagine a ghost handcuffed to a, a desk, <laughs> and there's a single lamp. Yeah. <laughs> so, Where were you tonight of 1863? <laughs> <laughs>
Um, I'm uh, sorry, please continue. No, but uh, well, if you've got a bunch of ecstatics from the Cult of Ecstasy in your Mage the Ascension game, it's a perfect way to end a chronicle with a big undead party, you know, with all the ghosts oh, moving yeah. on and bopping before they uh, pass on. Uh, I could well see that. The Cult of Ecstasy operate the, uh, the, the DJ booth. Um, but that's me very much picturing things in that Scooby-Doo mold again. I imagine a cheery tune to end the episode. Hmm, my mind's I mean, drifting off now. I, I mean, I, I I know I brought up Scooby Doo myself, but I mean, it's one of the things that you mentioned before. The ghost stories are kind of a way of doing horror that doesn't involve gore, doesn't involve mm. body horror, um, and so I don't want to say that ghost hunters can be lighter, but it gives a. Uh, uh, a different flavor of uh, horror that might be approachable for people who don't like some of the other elements of horror gaming. Um, and, and a show like Scooby-Doo, ultimately, if you take the, the humor and the cartoon issues of it, out of it, it's really about, uh, you know, four or five people, depending on how you value the dog, um, who just want to know more about how the world works. And sometimes... They, they buy into supernatural explanations, but ultimately, you know, there's either something other behind it. And that's really kind of world arts in a nutshell. This is called Ghost Hunters, but really a lot of these characters are more investigators it's, yeah. it's, than actually hunting down and killing monsters. I think well, the, the Arcanum especially, that they are researchers. They just want to understand mm -hmm. everything, no matter the cost of opening their eyes to, to the truth. Um, and and I think uh, I mean the way I tend to do it when I'm running these games is with full acknowledgement of Wraith the Oblivion giving ghosts full characters which I love I like to view it from the mortal perspective that when they interact with ghosts their first impression is always going to be the hostile side because taking the core elements of Wraith the Oblivion which to my mind are passions and fetters right. the first glimpse you get of a ghost is something to do with their passion or their fetter, and those are the things that define them. So if the ghost feels threatened, and there's no reason they shouldn't feel threatened if someone can see them when they don't want them to be, when they don't want to be seen, then they should, they will probably act in a hostile way. And then you get a story where the ghost hunter has to somehow um, appease the ghost to find out something or to yeah to pacify them to befriend them but ultimately that ghost is like an addict and will always be drawn to what their passion is or to protect their fetters mm -hmm. um, so I think there's a certain level of tragedy to well there definitely should be a level of tragedy to a ghost story uh, but uh, yeah, again, I agree. I think it allows groups to play a World of Darkness game that isn't necessarily gory, isn't necessarily combative, but right. has a nice psychological horror, has a nice uh, level of suspense to it, uh, without necessarily all the jump scares that exist in ghost movies, uh, which tends to be how the lazier ones go about evoking, ooh, you know, these ghosts are scary and unpredictable. Uh, I think yeah, you can sh show that in an RPG rather than telling it with a ghost, with a, with a jump scare. Right, no, totally. it's a chance to kind of focus on the, the, the mystery side of the world darkness, which sometimes does not get 
a, a lot of attention in yeah. there's other stuff Paul going on. Yeah. Uh, so we're getting close to time, but um, I want to take a quick moment to throw Dixie on the spot because Woo! Um, here I am. And so we've talked a lot about ghost hunters, talked a lot about Wraith, um, but it, people are also thinking of other kinds of ghost stories. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about Geist Second Edition. We haven't talked a ton about that in a while. It's a different line, Eddie. Yeah, I know it is, but it's still a ghost <laughs> kind of related story, and it's a very different kind of ghost story from the other two. So, like, you know, people are like, hey, I'm back to Kickstarter, but also I want to play ghosts right now. If you, well, if you want to play ghosts right now, you don't actually really play the ghost thing, guys, but you play a person who kind of died and now has a ghost they're friends with. You, you have a ghost friend. Ghost friend. Ghost friend! And together, you and your ghost friend can help people and help ghosts and save things. Um, no, guys, it's actually really cool. Um, the conceit of the game is that you died and you made a bargain with a geist to come back. And now you are a sin eater. Um, mm -hmm. So you are bound with this with this geist, which is where your, your, your powers come from. Um, and you generally, a lot of the stories are, like I said, either investigating mortal things or investigating you know supernatural things and ghost stories and the like and taking care of those with your geist friend uh there's a really good fiction anthology that has tons of cool ideas in it on the way as well but yeah i'm a fan of geist and, and it, it strikes me that geist is kind of a similar there's some overlap with ghost hunters yeah. in the sense that you're investigating what happened to ghosts and, mm -hmm. you know, how to deal with yeah, that. Yeah, a lot of the stories are about laying other ghosts to rest. Uh, that, 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 that tends to be kind of one of the easy story hooks in that game. Um, mm -hmm. Or, you know, dealing with possessions, etc. But, uh, but yes, it is very much an investigation game and a supernatural investigation game, uh, much, much like this one. Absolutely. So uh, that's another thing to check out, but... Um... Before you do that, definitely swing by the uh, Ghost Hunter World Darkness Ghost Hunters Kickstarter. Um, as we mentioned, we have made thousands of dozens of dollars so far, um, but, uh, but uh, every little bit helps. Um, and again, it's it's a, it's a neat little uh, uh, elements to the 20th anniversary line. It, it, it's a little different, it's a little funky, but it's a nice little touch. And it's frankly, it's, it's a cool. It's rare that in the 20th anniversary books we can touch on a topic that hasn't really been done to death. So it's a nice way to kind of do some relatively new things in all of this deep history of the 20th anniversary versions of the world of darkness. Um, uh, so, and also it's a good kind of nice, fun Halloween project, uh, which reminds me, uh, do you guys have any plans for Halloween? Hmm. Well, I mentioned in our Monday meeting, or no, our developer town hall, because uh, listeners, we occasionally all get together as developers and, and have a chat about current projects. So apparently, mm -hmm. a bunch of people are going around dressed as 2020. Um, <laughs> but this will be my son's first Halloween where he's really aware of it. So uh -huh. we don't really trick or treat so much in this country. It's, it's not as nowhere near as big a thing as it is in America. Oh, the, really? the home of commercialism. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, of Levi jeans and Mac McDonald's. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, Besides throwing America shade right now. We don't need it, uh, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Have you looked outside? <laughs> um, but uh, I, we will probably... Uh, dress him up as a vampire and push him out the door, or um, 
Figure it out, kid. No, one of those. Uh, <laughs> uh, welcome to the night. <laughs> um, <laughs> you learn the traditions on your own time. No, uh, one thing you that is more common in the UK and British listeners might listen to this and think, no, it isn't, but it fucking is, is uh, <laughs> pumpkin spotting. So people oh, still okay. decorate the front of their houses with pumpkins and so on. And for little children, it's actually quite nice to walk around the neighborhood dressed in a ghoulish costume, just marking off all the pumpkins that you see. It um, gets them out of the house, gets people seeing each other in silly costumes at a safe distance, mind you. Right. Uh, I might dress up as Psycho Mantis from... Uh, Metal Gear because he wears a gas mask. There you go. Oh, yeah, that'll you. work. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, nice. it's, uh, and he also wears a rubber fetish fetish suit, so it might not go down terribly well with him. I'm sure you've got one of those lying around. You know, you never who, know. Who 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 does it? Well, yeah, exactly. For you never know when you might need one. That's the problem. A Do I have storm. to change controllers to interact with you? Oh, very good, very good. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> My Halloween plans are probably watch horror movies and play Animal Crossing. That is an interesting mix. Well, Animal Crossing has a Halloween event on Halloween. Oh, it does. Yeah, there's a there's a little. I think he's called the Halloween Czar. He's a little pumpkin headed guy. And there's oh, there's cool. events and there's candy in the game that you can give to people and get trick or treat with your villagers. And I want to do that. Um, usually, Halloween is like a party night for me because I'm a big you know. Halloween fan, goth kid. So generally, I find some goth event to go to, but I'm not going to any events this year. Come on. Yeah. Um, also, no one's having them. Uh, right. so, so that makes it easy. So yeah, so I think I'll probably hang out at the house. It kind of sucks because Halloween's on a Saturday this year. So it's one of the mm-hmm. like few years where you could actually go to a club for Halloween on the day. As right, opposed to it being like on the 27th or whatever. But yeah. 2020. So... Um, I do not plan to, yeah, do anything like that. Although I have a few friends who've been talking about having like, you know, Zoom parties or Discord parties or whatever, or maybe doing some fun makeup or something. So, who knows? Yeah. That could be fun. I will definitely check um, on Animal Crossing though because I need to do my my events in that game. Oh, totally. That makes sense. Um, for us, we we generally like trick or treating. Um, we don't have uh, kids ourselves, but um, we find it entertaining to. Um, get uh, full-size candy bars and yeah. hand them out to the kids. Um, so obviously this year, that's going to be a little challenging. But one thing we're looking at is uh, on Reddit, um, we found someone has developed a a, a long tube um, that basically has like a little kind of skeleton head at the back end. You paint the tube like in kind of that kind of bone colors. Uh-huh. Um, and you just slide the candy down. So you put the bag in front of the tube, you slide the candy down the tube. Well, like one at a time, like a Pez dispenser. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like a blowgun, <laughs> or you can get like a huge healthy. like you know like like a really wide mouth tube and just pour like a bag into it. And... Oh, like on construction sites, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. I can just see it. Y'all are like huddled in like the, the the upstairs window, peering over the edge of the ledge with this like tube going down <laughs> to the <laughs> sidewalk. <laughs> like it would be uh, very American of you to uh, fire. <laughs> A t-shirt cannon. Oh, yeah! You should get like a t-shirt gun. Just yes. fire candy yeah. at dead children. Right. Just stand back. And go. Happy Halloween. Poof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you want the candy, take a risk. Stand in the cannon's mouth. <laughs> if you don't wear a mask, I aim for you. There you go. 
So I have to say one thing. Um, earlier, yeah. one of you, I forgot which one, said, I am afraid of no ghost. And yes. as one of my favorite comedians, Demi Adijuibe, has pointed out, um, that is that 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 statement implies that you are in fact afraid of some ghosts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote. Um, I will I will get the uh, link for the show notes. But Demi did a little very short song to to, to the tune of the Ghostbusters theme, where he's just listing off like famous dead killers like you know Je- jeffrey dahmer jack the ripper and then and then uh, at the end he's like he's like yeah i'm afraid of like seven or eight ghosts <laughs> that's amazing yeah you have to give me a link yeah it's a it, it, it's a 15 second clip but it is so funny i love demi and Bay, and if you are not familiar with him go watch his uh september 21st videos from the past four years um and the other thing also i may do uh, uh is um I'm debating playing a game called Costume Quest. I don't know if either of you have played it. Uh, no. No. Um, it's a video game by Double Fine where you are playing kids going out and trick-or-treating, um, and then you discover there actually are monsters that show up on Halloween. So um, the you get the powers of whatever costume you're wearing. So if you wear the knight costume, you basically become like a warrior in an RPG, or if you wear the um, spaceman costume, you can fire uh, lasers at the monsters. Um, so it's a really cool way of doing gear-based level progression through a cute little kids at Halloween interface. You know, so it's, it's a fun one game. of the games in the Parsley collection. I forgot what it's called. Like it's 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 it's, it's called like you know Halloween Town or sort of something along those lines, and mm-hmm. it's it's a similar conceit where you are you are playing kids on Halloween and you uh, you all end up in whatever costumes you are. Be- becoming those things like a witch or a ghost then you all get special powers based on that and that kind of happens in the movie halloween 3 where you're wearing the mask and it melts onto your face that is not at all what i'm talking about man <laughs> that is nothing like what i'm talking actually about. it's a lot more like the goosebumps books about the mask that turned you into like yes. a creepy monster well that that yes. that I'm trying to think. That wasn't the first Goosebumps. No, the first Goosebumps book was Welcome to Welcome Dead to House. Dead House. Yeah. Yeah. What an awful name. <laughs> it sounds like it came from Beyond the Grave scenario. <laughs> right. <laughs> Welcome to Dead House of Death. Well, that's fine, but Goosebumps was ostensibly serious, at least for its young audience. I was, I loved Goosebumps. I was terrified of Goosebumps when I was a kid. Like when I was like, yeah. like seven or eight, I used to read them all the time. I used to read those. I had these other like ghost story collections I used to read, and then of course I had scary stories to, to tell in the dark, all three volumes, right. which were. Didn't terrifying. you also say you read uh, Fear Street? I did read Fear Street. Um, I, I, I at one point graduated from Goosebumps to Fear Street, which be which is where I probably started getting into slashers and weird shit like that. Um, Fear Street is so lurid <laughs> and over the top. So oh we, my we, god! You can blame Fear Street for how you turned out today. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I read a lot of Fear Street. I, I read a lot of Christopher Pike. Um, oh yeah. Th- so I, I I grew up clearly in the 90s and early 2000s and um it was at the period of YA literature where it was starting to have its renaissance but it hadn't quite happened yet um because YA literature was like gonna pretty much stop being published for a while there in the late 90s like they just didn't think it did Mm. well they were churning out crap books like all the Sweet Valley High books and Babysitter's Club and I'm I'm saying crap books with fondness I love all those books so much sure right um 
you know, but they were like churning out all these like paperbacks that came out once a month and you just kept buying them and buying them and buying them. And there were 150, you know, whatever. Um, and they, they would just get progressively more ridiculous. Uh, but then a bunch of things happened in the early 2000s. Things like uh, Lori Hulse Anderson speak, um, the Harry Potter series by an unknown author, uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of other stuff right. happened. And it it made children's publishing kind of a, a, a big thing again. And then now you go into a bookstore and there's five shelves that are just for like teens, which didn't yeah. happen when I like I was reading Stephen King and stuff when I was in high school because there weren't that mm-hmm. many books that were like, this is for people your age. Um, and, and now there are. And that's really exciting. Uh, that's cool. I, I love the fact that. Um, YA has not only come back, but it's thriving and has its own level of quality yeah. and uh, uh, temp- uh, uh, tropes and templates and whatnot. I, I, I just am amazed by that because you're right. You know, late nineties it was it was kind of a, a fallow period. It became almost like pulp publications. Like, oh. Yeah, it 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 really was like pulp pulp for your teens. Lots of horror. Lots of uh, you know books about like. Mostly horror and drama tend, tend to be what it was. So either you were reading the yeah. kind of like Sweet Valley High, like so and so stole her sister's boyfriend. Although there were horror runs in that too that were super weird. There was a whole five book arc about uh, another set of twins who looked just like the girls from Sweet Valley High, and they came to try to take over their lives because they were evil sociopaths. It was very weird. Um, the infamous wow. Sweet Valley Massacre. <laughs> well, yeah, like it was weird. It was it was weird. Um, <laughs> But then there was Fear Street where, like, everybody died and it was always the person you didn't expect that was the killer. So by the time you read three of them, you were like, oh, well, it's clearly that person because they're setting me up to not suspect them. Um, <laughs> but those those were full of just torture and gross stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm still terrified of uh, sink disposals. Really? Yeah, because, like, someone's hand got trapped in one. Yep, uh, when I was very small, it turns out this episode's got legs, doesn't it? Um, when I was very small... <laughs> My sister, my elder sister, would rent horror movies from the local shop. And one of them was some real cheap piece of crap called Mirror Mirror. And okay. so it was a, clearly a straight-to-video horror movie. But there was a scene in that where the evil mother character um, gets her engagement ring stuck down a, a waste disposal. And the amount of blood that shot out of that stump <laughs> was enough to give me nightmares as a very <laughs> little boy for quite some time. But I, I remember because I know we've, we've talked uh, at some point about this before. Uh, I used to read Point Horror, which sounds very yep. similar to Fear It's Street. It's the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I remember from Goosebumps, and it's obviously been a long time since I've read Goosebumps, a lot of the stories ended in very bleak ways. The characters didn't often get away you know happy and laughing often the ones with the ventriloquist dummy uh seemed to end happily but then the ventriloquist dummy ended up coming back what was his name slappy i think yep slappy. Um, wow. yeah in some other family's house just to curse them and try and kill all of them instead but the one where they went to the amusement park that i think they all ended up getting trapped there forever uh, the one where the boy's hands get cut off so he can become the best pianist in the world. Uh, ah! gets, um, 
trying to remember what that was called. Uh, it's, again, R.L. Stein, if you're listening, we'll take your spot <laughs> next to Volvo's, um, had really bad form when it came to titles. It would have been, yeah. sort of, I will teach you to play piano, exclamation mark. That's the title. Ah! Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that makes sense. That tracks. No, they were bad titles. Yeah. Um no, I, I, uh, so point, point horror for anyone that doesn't know, um, that that's just a label they slapped on books that we had as standalone books over here. So like all those Diane Ho books and R.L. Stein and Caroline B. Cooney's and whatever, they just put point horror on them. So it'd be like the lifeguard point horror, even though over here it was just the lifeguard or teacher's pet or the snowman or oh, okay. whatever. Um, the beach so- house. Yeah. So whenever Matthew mentions point horror, like we, we had all those books, like the R.L. Stein ba- babysitter series, um, et, et cetera, but we just didn't have them under that label. So we, we are, we are often talking about these same books when we talk about this stuff. Um, cause I, I read anything that had the author's name and like a jagged bright colored, you know, font. Right. <laughs> Like, I would definitely read that. Loved Goosebumps when I was a kid. Um, I actually read, I, I listen to a podcast occasionally called Teen Creeps, mm-hmm. where that's all they talk about. Oh, really? Are the horror books of the, like, 80s and 90s for, for teens. Um, they occasionally will talk about, like, something younger, like 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 Goosebumps. But generally they talk about like the the RL signs and, and whatever. And it's 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 very interesting hearing somebody discuss them who has reread them as an adult. So I, I have not. I've got the novel list up now and some of these are classics, some goosebumps uh, are are classics and they spawned many a sequel. Uh, but they did have dreadful titles like Say Cheese and Die. That was about a haunted camera. Come yeah, on. Haunted Polaroid oh camera. God. That wouldn't work these days, would it? Um, there was, of course, Night of the Living Dummy, which we um, we mentioned. Uh, there was... Uh, the, the, the pianist <laughs> one was called Piano Lessons Can Be Murder, which oh, wasn't, yeah. wasn't as bad as what I was thinking. The Girl um, Who Cried Monster was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Why I'm Afraid of Bees. Why I'm Afraid of Bees terrified me, because he turned into a bee. <laughs> <laughs> uh the scarecrow walks at midnight that that would work well for they came from me on the grave i'll be taking yeah. a note of that how about my my hairiest adventure that that's a uh, puberty thing uh, it came from beneath the sink i was gonna talk about that one that was actually my favorite one um when i was a kid i loved it came from beneath the sink um it was about uh, like this sponge like it, like like a, a sponge that was actually an evil creature from a different world, mm. and they had to look it up in this book of creatures, and there was like all these bad things happening, and they finally get rid of it. But one of the other creatures they read about was like a potato, and so it like it like ends <laughs> yeah. on 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 the note of like there's still a creepy thing in the house. Um, and I don't know why, but I really really liked that one. <laughs> uh, we had Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes. I don't think R.L. Stein was trying at that point. Revenge of the Egg <laughs> Monsters from Mars. Um, how I Got My Shrunken Head. I Live in Your Basement. <laughs> I feel like if you put these all together, you might get an actual story just from the titles. The Blob That Ate Everyone. Yeah, that's a bit final. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. just, just, just everyone. Just yeah. everyone. Well, oh there we gosh. go. 
Calling all uh, creeps. <laughs> so, um, Dixie, if people wanted to talk to you online and enumerate the number of ghosts they are afraid of, where would they find you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me at Dixie Cyanide on most social media. And yeah, I would, I would love to hear uh, how many ghosts you are afraid of if you ain't afraid of no ghosts. And Matthew? They can find me on MatthewDawkins.com where there's a handy contact link. Otherwise, they can find me on various social media, the links of which are on MatthewDawkins.com. Uh, and you can find me at uh, pugsteady.com. Uh, from there, you can find both a contact form and also my social media accounts. You can find all of us at theonyxpath.com. You can find us on our Discord and uh, through our Twitter account. Um, the Ghost Hunters Kickstarter is still going on at the time this goes live. So please swing by Kickstarter and check that out. Um, as we've talked about for an hour, there's lots of fun you can have with this game, whether you're a World Darkness fan or just want to enjoy the, the mystery side of exploring the world of darkness on a wider level through the ghostly antecedents. And with that, many worlds, one pathcast. cast.